Thank you. Um, so uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Wayne. Um, I'm part of the congregation here and it's my pleasure and privilege to, to read the Bible for you today. Um, taken out of uh, uh, the, uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 18 to 31. Present suffering and future glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that's seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you ask almost anyone in the world right now, what's the biggest challenge we're facing? I'm pretty sure most people would at least consider answering COVID. But for me personally, and I reckon for a lot of us here in South Australia, COVID hasn't really been my biggest challenge. I only know two, two people who've had COVID and, and they're both fine now. And when I think of COVID and how it's affected me personally, my overwhelming feeling is not desperation or terror or a sense of hopelessness. My overwhelming response to COVID is just frustration. Like even now, I'm frustrated that I'm not there with you in person because of COVID. Because on the 30th of December at 5am, I got up, I packed up the caravan in robe and I started driving to New South Wales, a trip that Google told me was going to take 18 hours of driving. My wife and I, we'd been monitoring the numbers of COVID in New South Wales every day for weeks. And because we weren't going anywhere near Sydney, we decided the day before that it was looking like things would be okay. There were only like five cases and then three cases the next day. And we hadn't seen my wife's parents for a year. And in that time, her dad had had some pretty significant health issues and even nearly died once. So we were keen to see them. But can you believe it? Just a few hours after we cross over into New South Wales, we tune in to hear the COVID update and we hear that New South Wales was reporting 18 cases. And then the next day, it gets announced that the South Australian border 
will close in 12 hours. So we quickly checked Google to see that we had 13 hours to drive to get to the border. It was frustrating. It was frustrating, but really I've got nothing to complain about. It was hard to wait those five days to get a permit from South Australia to get back in. And it's annoying needing to quarantine at home for 14 days, even though they've reopened the border with New South Wales. But again, that's nothing compared to the challenge that COVID has created for many, many people. I haven't lost loved ones. I haven't lost my job. And I don't actually know anyone who's lost everything because of COVID. And for many people in South Australia, I imagine you're in the same boat. We're incredibly fortunate. We're frustrated by COVID, but most of us probably aren't devastated by it. But on a global scale, it's so different. The chaos it's causing feels unbelievable at times. Like when we saw America and those temporary morgues set up in New York, or when we see hospitals overrun in many countries, doctors and nurses overwhelmed and in tears, unable to help the people gasping for breath out in the corridors, nearly 2 million deaths worldwide. When you see that, it's not frustrating. It's heartbreaking. And even closer to home here in Australia, it's much more than just frustrating for some of us. It's heartbreaking for those who are losing businesses that they've poured their hearts and soul into. Devastating for those families who are, who are separated, sometimes across countries, kids unable to see their dads for months. And one of the saddest things I've seen here in Australia is people unable to say goodbye to dying loved ones or even to attend their funeral. Like this couple you might have heard about in Queensland, who while they were quarantining, his brother died before they could see him. And then half an hour before they were due to be released from quarantine, they were told that they would need to quarantine for another 14 days because of the outbreak of the UK strain in their hotel. And so that meant they were going to miss his funeral as well. COVID really is a big challenge for our world. And our question today is where is God in all of this? Where is God in COVID? This is a huge disaster now and probably for a long time to come. So where is God in all this heartbreak? It's a really good question. And it's quite a tricky question. Because there's, there's a lot of mess in this world that we can clearly blame on humans, things like greed and racism and selfishness. But we can't really blame humans for coronavirus. People try. People try to blame others, even calling it things like the Chinese virus. And certainly people can make the situation worse through selfishness by breaking quarantine or lying or even just by stockpiling toilet paper. But even if humans handled the virus with perfect morality, even still coronavirus would be a problem. And the question would still be, would still be there. Where is God in all of this? Has God done this? Has God allowed all this? Why? And it's not just coronavirus that raises hard questions like this. It's all the natural disasters and diseases that we see in the world that can't be blamed on humans. Things like earthquakes and tsunamis, SARS, MERS, swine flu, bird flu, HIV, smallpox, polio, Spanish flu, the Black Plague, COVID, it's just the current challenge in a long list of things that have plagued our world 
and will keep plaguing us. In a way, COVID is not something unusual. It's actually pretty typical of our world. And so this is, this is a very old question that's just as relevant today as it's ever been. Where is God in all the pain of this world, that all the pain that humans can't be blamed for? Is he actually to blame? This is an ancient question that philosophers have been wrestling with for thousands of years. Like Epicurus from the 3rd century BC, who asked something like this. Is God willing to prevent evil like COVID, but not able? So is he weak? Or is he able to prevent evil like COVID, but not willing? So is he actually not good? Or is he both able to prevent evil and willing? But if that's the case, then why do we have things like COVID? This is, again, a great question. This is exactly the issue. And from this, some people conclude since things like COVID exist, therefore God must not exist. For some people, that, that's a kind of cold, hard conclusion they come to in their minds. For others, it's more a conclusion they come to from the real pain they've personally experienced in life. But one of the problems with concluding that God isn't there because suffering is there is that suffering ceases to be something we can even call a problem. COVID and all the mess it's caused in our world is not a problem in that case. It's not a bad thing, a terrible thing. It's just a part of life. In fact, remove God and you remove the ability to call anything at all right or wrong. This is essentially what the atheist Richard Dawkins does, even though he can't actually live consistently with what he claims to believe. Nobody could. He writes, in a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. In other words, there's no rational reason to find COVID a problem or earthquakes or racism, or people who abuse other people. There's no solid basis for thinking some things are right and some things are wrong because there's no such thing as right or wrong. Now, don't hear me wrong in this. I'm not saying that atheists are therefore immoral people. Not at all. I, I can confidently tell you that sometimes they're more moral than religious people. What I'm saying is that if atheists are right, then actually there is no such thing as an immoral person or a moral person, and no one has done, no one has ever done anything that's wrong to you, and no one ever could do anything that was wrong to you or wrong to your children, because there is no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. This kind of answer to COVID is unworkable. Very few people can live consistently with this view. Most atheists don't live that way. All but a, a few psychopaths can, can live as if there really is no right and wrong. But that's our choice. We either say, what are you doing, God, because there's an awful lot wrong in this world? Or we say, there is no right. There is no wrong. It's just an illusion. And so in the end, 
I can have no solid basis for having a problem with what I see out there in the world. But the truth is COVID is not just a result of natural forces. It's not just a challenge we're facing. It's a problem. And the death and, and the loss and hardship is not just a matter of random indifference. It's a tragedy. It's not right. We sense that it shows that something is wrong in our world because something is wrong. So let's come back to our question. So if God is really there, where is he in all this mess? At this point, some people want to conclude that God is there watching, worrying, but unable to help. But you'll never find that idea anywhere in the Bible because a God who is powerless logically isn't really God at all. Other people want to conclude that God is sending things like COVID as a direct punishment to the world for some particular wrong. But this doesn't fit with the Bible either, the way the Bible talks either. In fact, there's a whole book in the Bible, the book of Job, that's all about how we can't make a direct link between suffering and someone deserving it. The Bible doesn't teach karma. It doesn't teach that people get in this life what they deserve. In fact, it teaches that people don't usually get in this life what they deserve. Jesus himself taught this. He said you can't look at what happens to someone and think it's directly because of what they've done. A tower collapsed and killed 18 people and it was a, a natural disaster. And Jesus says to everyone, they shouldn't try to link things like that with God directly punishing people. But at the same time, in the very next breath, Jesus said things like that tower collapsing, natural disasters, things like COVID, they still do say something to us. They say something to all of us. Jesus says in, in Luke chapter 13, those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. We shouldn't think that natural disasters in the world are the direct result of, of something anyone's done. But Jesus says we should see them as a sign that something is wrong with our world. And more than that, Jesus says they should be a sign to us that something is wrong with our world because of all of us. And this is where we start to see the answer as to where God is in COVID and in every natural disaster and tragedy in this world. God is breaking through to us to see that we live in a broken world. He is breaking through to us to see that we live in a broken world because we have a broken relationship with him. Let me show you how we see this difficult idea in one part of the Bible. Stick with me as, as, I, as I try to explain this. In a, le a letter written soon after Jesus to Christians in Rome in Italy, the Apostle Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Now, what Paul's doing is he's saying that life in this world now is not the goal. Life right now is not the end point. Creation is waiting. It's waiting for a far, far greater goal. And so he's saying that any suffering we experience now, any pain, any mess, no matter how great, it pales into insignificance compared to what's to come. Now, Paul, he's not making light of our pain and suffering that we experience right now. Not at all. But he is saying it's worth it. 
it's worth it for what's to come, which can feel pretty hard to stomach. But if you've ever been with someone in labor, then I think you can get the logic of this. During labor, it's like the world is ending. I remember a friend of mine who he'd say he loved childbirth. It was like a miracle. I got no idea what was wrong with him. I hated childbirth. Now, I know I'm not allowed to complain. I wasn't doing anything. Well, nothing useful anyway. But from what I could see of labor, the pain was all consuming. The suffering was dominating. But from that moment when Kathy, my wife, held the baby, when the goal was reached, I had no doubt she thought it was worth it. No doubt that she thought that the pain experienced in those hours couldn't compare to the, the joy of the lifetime that lay ahead of that baby. The pain led to the goal, so it was worth it. Paul's point here is that what we're experiencing now was never meant to be the goal, the end point. And no matter, no matter how painful it is for you, no matter how messed up it could get, still it can't compare to the goal that God has in mind for you. And here's where it gets tricky. Because Paul and the whole Bible actually goes on to say that the pain of this world is actually in one very real sense from God's hand. Look at verse 20. For the creation was subjected to frustration. This is frustration, not like my frustration with COVID, but frustration in the sense that creation's being held back from reaching its goal. And we read where this interference comes from, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. This is talking about God. God is the one who has blocked his world from easily reaching its goal. Now, to begin with, God made the world so that it just worked. Humans in the world worked. There was no COVID. There were viruses, but there wasn't disease. You know, even today, 99% of viruses cause no problems whatsoever to their host and they're actually necessary for life. And back then there were probably things like earthquakes, apparently plate tectonics are necessary for life too, recycling chemicals and even balancing carbon dioxide levels. But when God made the world, there wasn't viruses causing disease or earthquakes causing destruction to humans. But human rejection of God led him to frustrate creation from reaching its goal. Not to be vindictive, though. We read why in verse 21. God does it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. God does it to liberate us. We tend to think of rejecting God as liberation, as freedom. But in fact, actual fact, our rejection of God is really binding ourselves to decay, a bondage that not only affects ourselves, but affects our whole world. But God refuses to leave us to happily live out that bondage to death. He frustrates our steps. He frustrates even creation. He makes it impossible for us to pretend that we can find life now in the moment. He's changed things so that life now is, is wave after wave of, of wake-up calls that there's a problem. Do you see what God is doing? This world is broken because our rejection of God has broken it. But if God were to shield us completely from the brokenness of this world, then we'd never wake up. 
We'd never suspect there's a problem. We'd never ask the question, where is God in all this? We'd never even really ask the question, where is God? Allowing us to experience a, a taste of the brokenness that we've brought into this world is the only way God can break through to us. On that 18-hour drive back from New South Wales, actually it was more like a 21-hour trip. We only had a few hours break along the way. But anyway, on the way back, we listened to stories, audiobooks from Raoul Dahl's life in a book called Going Solo. Do you know he was a pilot in the RAF in World War II and he crash-landed his plane in the desert and fractured his skull and the engines burst into flame. And he was sitting there in the cockpit going in and out of consciousness. And he said what he really wanted to do was just sleep. He just wanted to go to sleep. But of course, if he did sleep, it meant certain death. He was in a plane that was an inferno and he was behind enemy lines. But something kept him from falling unconscious. It was the intense heat of the flames. Wave after wave of, of heat kept hitting him, stopping him from sleeping. It was unbearable and, and it drove him to crawl bit by bit away from the plane until he was safe. Here's my point. It was the pain of those flames that saved his life. And without the pain of those flames, he would have just been lulled to sleep where he was, unaware of the real problem he was facing. It's a difficult concept for us to grasp and, and it's even harder for us to swallow. But the truth is God allows us to experience the mess of this broken world for a much greater purpose. Life in this world is wave after wave of reminders that something's wrong to wake us up. I mean, think about it. If you could stop a smoker from getting lung cancer by just sending a bout of pneumonia to wake them up, before it was too late? Would you do it? Look at the whole world. Consider your own life. There'll never be a time in this life where the waves don't come rolling in. And there are times of calm, but the waves will be back because that's the way this world works now, because it's broken. And when a wave hits us and we think, this is not the way that things should be, this is wrong, we're right. This is the message God wants to break through to us. It's why he allows there to be waves in this world. Things like COVID. It's because he's got something far, far better planned. Something we would miss if he didn't break through to us. C.S. Lewis, an atheist turned Christian, he, he put it like this. We can ignore even pleasure. But pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And we can hear this and think God is heartlessly breaking through to us. But that's not right. No one feels our pain more than God. And God is not cold and distant from the mess of this world. In fact, this is what Christianity is all about. The central message of Christianity is that God himself enters our world, enters our suffering. He doesn't sit high and mighty, immune from it. In Jesus, he becomes one of us. He experiences the pain of this world firsthand and he suffers and dies in our place for the mess 
we've made of his world. And he does it to make a way that this world can escape from its bondage to decay forever. We've been asking, where is God in COVID? But I reckon there's an even more helpful way to frame the question. The real question is, can you trust God with COVID and with all the pain of this world and with all the pain of your life? And the answer without a doubt is yes, you absolutely can. You can trust God because Jesus' death was out of love for you. And you can trust God because Jesus coming back to life shows that life is not found quickly grasped between the waves of COVID, waves of cancer, waves of, waves of sadness or loneliness or letdown. Life is found in knowing God for all eternity. Life is found in God's goal for you, living with him in a, a world liberated from all these things. If you were a part of a world where joy never ended, where our environment wasn't threatened, where people weren't a threat or a disappointment, but the very best of all creation, where there was no sadness or death or suffering, where you could know God and be loved by God forever. If it took waves of suffering in this life to wake you to want what God wants for you, would you consider it worth it? Whether you do or not, God does. He doesn't like letting us suffer. The heartbreak of this world breaks his heart more than ours. But if it wakes us up from being lost to him from all eternity for all eternity, then he considers it worth it. It's worth it if it causes us to turn to God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever turned back to God, admitted to him that you've rejected him? Have you ever made that clear, conscious, public decision to trust him? Why not do it today? Or at least, why not keep on considering the evidence for who Jesus is and the evidence for what he offers you? That's really what the Life Series is all about that you've probably heard us talking about, which will be starting in just a few weeks. Come along to the first one and see if you like it and see if you want to keep coming. And keep talking about these sorts of things to the person who brought you along today.